I'm Aaron Levy, the CEO and co-founder of Box. Welcome to Founder Calls. Founder Calls is like if Charlie Rose and Ira Glass had a really weird distant cousin that had an obsession with enterprise software. On these calls, we talk to CEOs, founders, and investors about building, selling, and scaling in the enterprise. Hello, Siri. Hey, Jerry, Aaron Levy here. How you doing? Aaron, terrific. Nice to hear your voice. <laughs> nice to hey. hear yours. How are you doing? We're doing terrific. Um, very good. Where, where are you at right now? I am sitting in my office at Ame Cloud Ventures and um, uh, just, uh, just, just, being, just literally being overwhelmed by the things we're seeing today. I, I just had a company that left here and I'm sitting there going, you know, scratching my head and kind of kind of sort my brain out it's um it's pretty wild stuff out there wow okay how, how many um how many unicorns did you fund today uh, I'm, I'm hoping i'm hoping at least one but you know okay. unicorns aren't what they used to be i guess so they're uh, they're less rare um they are they are now what do we now look for decacorns yes are there there are, um there are fewer enterprise decacorns than uh, would be ideal that is true we should talk about that huh? right. you guys you guys got to get there and uh if if you uh, want to do a deck of corn round for us, let me know. <laughs> In the public market, that's hard to do. <laughs> that is, if you buy enough shares, it can happen. That is true. That is true. Um, okay, that I think everything I just said was literally illegal by most SEC standards. So um, <laughs> I will. Uh, I'm sure a lawyer will uh, will add in like a, bl a couple bleeps um, in the first part of this conversation. So Fantastic. okay, so Jerry, um, I want to cover a couple quick things. One is, um, you know, you're you're obviously a Silicon Valley hero from an entrepreneur and founder standpoint. Um, and a lot of people think of you as still like a consumer internet maven, kind of you, you essentially invented the consumer internet. Um, and, uh, but now you're doing a lot of enterprise investing and cloud investing. I don't know if you're still doing a lot on the consumer side, but now you've actually like, you're part of some of the biggest um, enterprise deals out there. So I kind of want to talk about that transition a little bit. And then right. what, what are you looking for in terms of software companies and, and what, what do you want to fund? Um, and then uh, and then some other uh, other interesting uh, other interesting stuff. So um, I'm ready. I'm just down to dive in if you're if you're good. Let's do it. Okay. Very cool. So um, so let maybe just let's if we want to start first on that on that idea of you 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 were a uh, a huge consumer internet guy. Why did you decide to start investing in in the enterprise software world? What what, what made that kind of transition happen? Well, you know, I or am I, I missing some major component of Yahoo where you guys were actually like an enterprise software platform? Well, and, we did, you know, at Yahoo, obviously, um, all of the money paying part of the business were to enterprises. So right. we, you know, advertisers were all companies and enterprises. So that's obviously part of it. But you're right. I, I think most of my um, Yahoo time was spent in looking at consumer and consumer internet. And um, when I left and wanted to start, um, you know, nominally investing, but really trying to see what um, all the cool young entrepreneurs are doing. Um, for me, one of the areas that kind of came into, uh, I you know, sort of kind of came into my opportunity or, or people came to me for was this, um, uh, this technology that was kind of incubated at Yahoo, which was Hadoop. And, um, and one of the last things I did at Yahoo before I left was to help spin out Hortonworks. Mm. Um, and so all of a sudden, you know, sort of in early 2012, we had all these um, 
uh, Hadoop-based startups. And so that was kind of the, the advent of my foray into sort of big data and enterprise. And part of it, it was, I just didn't know anything about enterprise. I felt like it was always this mysterious um, uh, sector and mm -hmm. that people, um, how, wouldn't it be great to kind of sell to enterprises and have this sort of more or less steady um, revenue stream and you don't have to worry about engagement and everything else. And little did I know, you know, everything in enterprise is starting to look more like consumer ever right. since uh, 2012. So, um, so it is, it is an interesting turnaround. And in fact, you know, I'm, I'm on the workday board with a new boostery and Dave Duffield. And, um, and one of the reasons they asked me to help them on the board is, uh, they see the consumerization of, enterprise and right. um, a lot of uh, and you know more the better than anybody else that this sort of uh, generation of enterprise software is all about engagement and usage and, and kind of consumer type of attributes. So it first started out as, as pure mystique um, that led you to the enterprise which is obviously what uh, leads most people to enterprise software um, <laughs> and then you realize that actually it turns out that this stuff is going to be pretty similar. Well, and, and that is that is definitely true. I I, I was more, um, and quite frankly, I think um, with my Yahoo experience, I felt like it's a phase in my life I need to learn about the other mm. side of tech, which was enterprise. And part of it is learning, but part of it is also um, there are just obviously some tremendous opportunities happening right now with the cloud, big data, um, and SaaS, the SaaS revolution, which you're a big part of. And so uh, for me to be able to kind of see that um, happen, um, has been a lot of fun, and and quite quite frankly, I, I think in some ways the lines are not only blurring like um, uh, like Slack and those type of applications, but also um, you know uh, people are really starting to take um, enterprise software and um, and and being able to really build business models that are um, um, more like consumer in some ways, you know, in terms of um, uh, instead of just paying license fees, it's really more around usage and um, and adoption. So I think there are clearly lines that are blurring that um, that I'm 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 very interested, but also I can I think I can add some value in that process. That's interesting. So actually, um, uh, I don't know, coincidentally or or um, intentionally, it turns out your background is actually more relevant to the future of enterprise than most enterprise people's um, backgrounds. <laughs> so what? How, how do you actually see that that evolution happening in terms of wh what do you look for in the skill set of enterprise software founders in a world where the 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 consumerization of enterprise is so important and where adoption um, matters more than than you know RFP responses like what what are you starting to look for from the factors of what you invest in or who you fund when you look at sort of the the, the most successful kinds of um, uh, enterprise software, and especially in today's world, um, it really is this notion of you're not, you know, it, it is more or less open in the sense that um, while there is obviously some platforms and lock-in in terms of features and t potential different um, functionalities, um, a lot of the software uh, clouds that tend to work with each other fairly openly through standards and through um, platforms and through um, different exchanges and, and I think that's a power of um, of these enterprises and these SaaS companies trying not to become um, all things to all people all the time. I think they're trying to focus on what they do best and then uh, create value there and then partner with the rest of it. Um, and so those are a couple of things mm. that we see, Aaron, that, um, that we'd like to see is 
is defocus and really um, sort of usage and um, consumption-based. And, and I think one of the natural implications of a consumption-based model or a utilization-based model is that, that that means that usability and user adoption kind of become the you know, um, paramount in terms of the product development and the delivery of the product because it doesn't actually matter if you get the sale because the sale means nothing in a world where adoption is what matters. Yeah, and, and I think that's why you see all these go-to-market models like, you know, BYO, you know, bring your own, you know, service, bring your own uh, uh, device and, and into the enterprise. And also, like you said, you know, the go-to-market um, uh, tends to be, um, you know, a lot of them offer freemium. Um, but but it, but like you say, even with the people with sales forces, you're really just selling them a basic model, and then you're hoping that through consumption, through add-ons, through um, going horizontal in terms of functionality, you can you can get that revenue per customer up um, rather than just um, rely on Salesforce kind of upselling. Do you have a do you have any then rules of thumb though or principles around what models work well for freemium? Um, or what models can be viral versus what n still needs to be a, a, a top-down sale? I mean, we're I, I, you know looking at your portfolio, it looks like you have actually have a mix of companies that are that are you know need to be a sales-led sale just because there's so much negotiation that you have to be able to work through versus in a virally or end-user-led sale. Yeah, we do have all types there, and I think you know I think one of the um, if you look at uh, enterprise hardware um, or infrastructure type software sales, um, where you're 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 you know in sort of the deep critical um, path of a lot of computation, for example, or you're in you know hard sort of system uh, software part of and selling to enterprise, you still have the traditional um, sales force that leads to you know sort of long POCs. Um, and go through you know a lot of hoops and validation before you kind of could get in. Um, on the flip side, you have companies that have led with, you know, various versions of free, and, and maybe Docker is the most um, uh, emblematic of that, where mm. you have literally open source, mm -hmm. um, and they are using kind of a developer-defined infrastructure as a as a theme, where they they are. Um, you know, sort of the central piece to developer communities. Um, and then that is migrating from developers into ops people into sort of the operating environment. And that's where um, the the enterprise will pay for, you know, sort of Docker on the enterprise, for example. So uh, we've seen kind of the, the whole spectrum. Um, uh, I think that... Um, What's it's your a, favorite... It's a, well, I think I think when, <laughs> I think I think when open source works like Docker, it's uh, beautiful. Um, now, now Docker is still still very early on, despite the valuation and everything else, uh, because I think it, the monetization path is just beginning. Right. But um, um, but uh, but that one is, you know, you, it's hard to plan for that kind of success. But um, but in that case, it has it has worked. Right. Um, and and a lot of our companies today come, you know, we, we have that debate: is you know, how much of it do you offer for free, and do you offer it free as a pre freemium, or do you offer it free as an API model, or do you? Um, um, or do you, and, and, and there are a lot of times arguments for not giving away free. You want customers that want to pay that C value day one. So it really is case by case. There's no, I don't think one, one size that fits all. Have you done a, have you ever invested in a freemium hardware company? Does that exist? <laughs> um, well, you know, there are more and more hardware companies that are doing, um, 
you know, hardware as a service. Right. So, um, and those, those typically have some entry level, uh, you know, sort of either compute. So for example, we've, we've invested in a, um, deep learning hardware company. So right. it would accelerate deep learning by, you know, hundred times that versus a, a traditional or standard sort of Amazon cloud machine. But and it's offered with, as a service. It, they, they're going to build a bunch of, yeah, they're going to build a bunch of hardware and right. put it in the cloud and offer it as a service. So you'll get the first, you know, umpteenth comp gazillion computations for free. And then after that, you'll, you'll need to pay on a, on a graduated scale. We'll see. I, I, I don't know if that will work eventually, but it certainly makes sense. How many, do you, do you know how many uh, enterprise deals you've done so far? Enterprise software startup deals? Um, I would say almost all of our portfolio companies, which is over, you know, uh, I would say over 50 at this point. Um, most of them, if not all of them, are um, some you know have a have an enterprise as a focus, meaning they're selling to enterprises. They're not um, consumer products. Uh, we do have some wearables and and um, uh, sensor companies that are probably more consumer-ish, uh, but most of our companies are uh, in one form or another. Um, uh, selling to to enterprises, and so that would say probably in the vast majority. Wow. Okay. So you're you're actually then probably then one of the top three biggest uh, enterprise VCs then right now. I don't. Do you, am I allowed to call you a VC? Is that what you? No, no, no. Don't call me a VC. Okay, got it. Right. Be... I figured that would be antithetical <laughs> to your brand. Um, you just you provide entrepreneurial capital, right? Yes. Well, you know, and, and again, uh, most of our, our our investments are done at a very early stage. Okay. I mean, we do do some co-investments at later stages with other VCs, but we do, um, right. we, we, we like to be known more as the sort of seed and early stage shop. And, um, uh, okay, and, I don't and, want you to know, ruin your brand right now. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's okay. I, 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 um, I, I, I like to think I haven't crossed the, the line to the dark side. And oh, I'm you're sorry getting close, man. I'm not sorry if there are VCs out there listening, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> what, um, uh, do you have, are there pillars of the fund or like theses that you're going after? Like, like, yes. any, okay. What are they? Well, I mean, like, I think the, the, the you know, um, with, re, with respect to sort of the classical enterprise software side, um, clearly, um, you know, we, we have, we have a lot of big data, um, where everything from data warehouses for big data or, you know, key components within big data for, for example, we have a real time big data streaming um, enterprise software that's um, doing very well called hmm. DataTorrent. Um, and so kind of the, everything from system to analytics to predictive, um, uh, everything in that kind of sector, we, uh, we try to do, we have a Hadoop um, as a service company called AltaScale. Um, so instead of having to install your own Hadoop on your premises, we can, um, you could basically go on the cloud and, and, and pull down as much Hadoop compute as you need and, and, and use it as a service. So that's a classic example of sort of that big data as a service um, uh, model that we've, we've invested in. Um, we have done security uh, software um, in Lumio, which has gotten a lot of press recently, is one of our portfolio companies. Yep. Um, uh, and we do security not only in software sense, but we also have some quasi-hardware software blends um, that's doing big data on security. Oh, wow. And, um, so when and you can get security and big data together, that's just like yes, you yes. double we're the valuation. To, we're trying to figure out how many buzzwords we can get in one company. Um, <laughs> is, one, is, there a mobile, is there a mobile data, uh, big data security company yet? 
there, there probably there's definitely a um, uh, a couple companies we've invested in um, a little bit later stage uh, that has the mobile component as well. We're okay, trying right. to learn, and it's one of those areas where um, I think mobile security is probably one of the one of the big opportunities going forward. We haven't seen we haven't seen the killer killer company yet. Um, have you have you uh, looked at like Lookout or I mean way too late yeah. stage obviously but yeah yeah so we we are actually an investor in Lookout okay in, got it. in a late as a late stage investment okay. to 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 both learn and, and, and kind of understand what's going on there and then what about the app layer though because I, I know you guys are in Elementum um are, are do you have an app thesis around like what verticals or what spaces will be disrupted by SaaS um yeah so we have looked at, uh, as you say, Elementum, which is a supply chain management um, layer for, and and I think, you know, we continue to look at manufacturing and supply chain as a area that can be disrupted by SaaS, but also um, is just sort of has a lot of fragmentation in terms of a lot of different applications that people need to go through to manage your supply chain. So, um, so we think Elementum is a, a very interesting one. Um, we have done some... Um, um, uh, I, I'll say sort of healthcare um, IT, which is more classic managing um, uh, healthcare type of information on the cloud. Right. Um, everything from trying to you know pull together all these different um, uh, healthcare CRMs um, and put them in the cloud. To uh, we have one. It's called Vwix that is doing a lot of. Uh, uh, on the on the on the more on the lab and research side, pulling together a lot of their data into the cloud, um, and so uh, so we definitely see um, sort of SaaS going vertical and um, uh, being kind of disrupting uh, kind of one vertical at a time. Okay. Um, uh, we we still see things in the in the human resources area um, like Zen Payroll, which you know well. Uh, which is a portfolio company, um, BetterWorks, uh, mm -hmm. which is a, a kind of performance management, um, HR management type. Um, uh, so things that are, are still in, in the sort of more classical vertical domains are still being being reinvented through SaaS. What, well, actually, then maybe what do you think is not being reinvented? Because this kind of covers essentially all of, all of the enterprise. Do you, are there spaces that you would avoid if you were an entrepreneur starting out right now? Well, I, I do think there are certain things that are crowded, okay. um, but uh, I probably wouldn't want to do a, you know, storage <laughs> file system in the cloud. Thank you. Um, <laughs> we're trying. We, uh, um, if you can unless, unless they can any sell it to you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, you know. I was thinking just just as a complete side note. Um, you know who our first competitor ever was? No. Yahoo briefcase. There you go. You know, <laughs> there you go. Well, and 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 I, I think I think that's a, a that's that's clearly one of the things that we never had enough of the enterprise focus for to make that successful. I think if you look at Evernote, which is a portfolio company of ours, and um, they're doing great, and um, I think it's just sort of you know Phil's maniacal focus around. Yeah note-taking and um, you, would, you know everybody thinks well geez Google through Android and Apple through iOS which is kind of subsume that feature set and um, and you you guys are an example of that too that that I think that focus can can really outdo a lot of obvious um, sort of just you know big companies can eat you up kind of arguments yeah did you ever use the Yahoo briefcase I I I did and, and it didn't last very long <laughs> it, was it wasn't like, a very good product 
Uh, it, it had some issues. Um, it uh, it may or may not have left some openings in the market for uh, for, <laughs> for startups to emerge. Um, but we thank you for that because uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, you, we'll you, give you the idea. So you, you should have given me some stock. That's uh, you never asked. Um, uh, the um, no, I, it was there was two players um, when we when we start. The reason we started was Yahoo Briefcase existed and XDrive existed and um, uh, and neither of the the applications updated with AJAX and. Um, and uh, we, we could store files a lot more cheaply, but um, so so it was it was funny. We actually went in and pitched um, we we pitched your uh, the Yahoo briefcase team in 2006 on on essentially like either I don't they I I think there's a chance they were like maybe sussing us out to to like do an acquisition or whatever. But although they never called us back, so so that clearly didn't go well. Um, but um, uh, we were trying to like pitch like you guys like powering the future of briefcase with us or something weird and that. That really yep. never happened, so we're um, we really were bad at pitching back then. <laughs> well, you, you you turned out okay. Um, it's been uh, it's been enjoyable. Um, so, uh, but but Yahoo Briefcase that was a uh, that was a fun that was a fun product. So, um, okay. So, uh, what about like? Do you think there's a play in like core ERP? I mean, I guess I guess Workday is kind of going off that with uh, going after that with financials. But do you think there's anything in just like the stodgiest parts of enterprise today that that can be disrupted? Well, I think that's the part that um, what I was going to get to when you're asking that question is, you know, the, the the more core into sort of the core, you know, sort of financial account and ledger, um, the 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 harder it is for people to move, and um, and the more kind of, kind of zero sum game it becomes, right? right? Meaning there's you know there's one one system, and you know you get two two vendors to go in there and compete, only one walks out, so. Um, and so those are the, the hardest, I think, and sort of probably the last bastion of enterprise software that will get um, hit. And um, uh, a lot of these companies are approaching it from the smaller business side, and that's what Zenefits and Zenpayroll are doing. Um, I think Workday is started with HR, which is their sort of um, core business from uh, core experience from PeopleSoft, but now they're getting into financials, which is the you know sort of the the um, the hardest to displace incumbents. Yeah, that's uh, that that's been really interesting, and I think even um, the the thing that that's been interesting watching Zenefits is having alternative business models to being able to go after some of these markets. So exactly, um, I I don't actually have a long list of of uh, examples of that, but like finding you know a uh, an area where you can take economics from one part of the market and then deliver a completely different or a free service for a different part of the market seems like a pretty interesting model that could emerge in, in enterprise if, uh, if people figure that out. Well, I think, I think that's where data comes in, and a lot of businesses are now basically using um, kind of front-end products that they design that are great, uh, that engages the customers, but use that as a way of data capture and then trying to monetize through data. Hmm. And, um, and, and you can argue Zenefis is sort of a stretch argument for that, but you can definitely see... Um, uh, uh, you know, um, we we invested in a company called Matterport, which does all these three D modeling of real estate. Right? So they basically invent a camera to go take three D models, scale models of houses for sale. Um, but eventually, if they get enough houses, they'll know you know how what's the average size of a kitchen in you know in Northern California, and that data is extremely valuable for you know, home designers and or, you know, Lowe's or Home Depot. So, um, so this data business, if you can get the right capture and the right data set, it becomes much more valuable than 
the um, than the front end and, or the or the service you're providing in the first place. Have you any other examples of that, or have you seen anything play out where that actually becomes a material revenue stream for an enterprise provider? Um, so, you know, I, I would say that. Um, a lot of business plans have that as a model. You know, <laughs> it always uh, feels like the thing home. that like, and then all of a sudden we're going to become a data provider and make exactly, million dollars. Exactly. Now, some of them yes. are more believable than others. <laughs> I, I, um, I, I think you have to have a tremendous, uh, and I think in the case of Matterport, I do think it's, uh, it, is, uh, it is very interesting. Uh, others, I think it tends to be a stretch, but, um, but I do think people are thinking that way because, um, uh, because it, it just, it, it you know, it, it really has a potential, um, especially a lot of these um, uh, kind of sensor companies. We have a company called Scanadu. This may not have to do with enterprise, but um, Scanadu, you know, has uh, developed these sort of FDA, soon to be FDA approved kind of tricorders for your blood pressure, temperature, um, heart rate, and it's like bring a doctor's office to your home. Now, huh. if you have, you know, tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of families out there using this device you, and you have, all their data in the cloud anonymously, um, you, you can have some very interesting data-driven businesses that come from that in terms of, you know, high-risk um, heart patients, for example, or um, blood types or, or, or blood pressure type of, um, uh, you know, sort of sort of uh, uh, sort of preventative type of treatment. So, so getting getting these data out there or to getting collecting data in a very broad spectrum is. Um, it's clearly a good idea, almost no matter which business you're in. Yeah, that's interesting. It'll be it'll be definitely fascinating as as we move more to a, an economy that is information driven and IT driven. If if information and data is is a key asset, then um, then it does seem like that should become pretty valuable in a lot of these business models. But it is it is pretty early there. What um, in terms of some marketplace dynamics? I mean, if you, you I mean, so you've invested in fifty plus enterprise startups. Um, there's, I don't know, like, like 300 unicorns now, let's say maybe, let's say a third to half of those are enterprise or will be kind of pseudo enterprise oriented. There's already dozens of SaaS companies that are public. Where do you think this all goes? Is there going to be a consolidation at some point? Um, or is this the new normal essentially for the future of, of, of this market? Do you have any kind of long-term views on the future of, of this landscape? Well, I, you know, you see a lot of companies, and I love your thoughts on this too. But my view is that you know there's um, there's still a large segment of enterprise that is um, uh, that is worth um, uh, disrupting, and and I think that that disruption still has quite a ways to go. Now, obviously, um, a lot of this depends on you know how the the funding market goes, and if if we're you know if if we're finally kind of hitting at the end of a, a very long boom cycle here, it's hard to know what happens. I mean, you know, on the one hand, um, uh, you know, since nineteen, you know, since two thousand and nine, people haven't seen really a, a down cycle, and um, you, you were around and you know how bad it is. It could be if um, if enterprise decides, you know, if if enterprise spending goes down, if the economy goes down, and people literally can just turn off. You know, um, buying things um, overnight. So, um, so part of the challenge is, you know, how how many of these companies um, that are uh, building a good enough service or building enough product that allows them to survive sort of the next next sort of patch here if it gets bad. Mm. Um, but I do think that there is, as I said, uh, there's a long, still a long road of of disruption that can happen here, and there's still quite a bit of 
um, things that that are not done well that can be done better on on SaaS. It just makes so much sense. Um, but I, I do think, for example, um, and what's what's interesting now is that you know you're seeing um, buyers instead of you know um, traditional companies that are buying enterprise IT, right? Um, you know, we'll go back to uh, some of our enterprise companies that are a little bit less. Um, Traditional, you know, we have we have a robotic company whose customers are hotels, right? That are buying these service robots. Uh, Matterport's customers are photographers that are shooting real estate. So, um, so you know, you're you're not looking at traditional IT budgets anymore. You're right. really looking at yes. um, enterprises, but there are people who are in the field or people who are going to the market that are buying technology to help them do that. that so I think I don't, I don't think you want to underestimate the buying power of that group. I, I think you just said a key thing that that hopefully is like we'll we'll remember to tweet out, which is um, it's, it's be, like we're now at a point where you can build enterprise software that doesn't go after the IT budget. Um, right. Where uh, especially if you can find again another part of the economics of of that business where you're generating you know you're, you're generating your value on the traditional expense that went to the commission of uh, the commissions of of some business or. Um, in Zenefit's case, the referral fee that gets paid to the insurance broker. So, exactly. So exactly. going after things that didn't used to be technology spend um, allows you to build then more digital experiences for the enterprise um, where nobody today maybe has a budget to go digitize that workflow. But, but by going after the, the business unit, you end up getting the, the, the budget for that. It ends up being net neutral or even cost savings to the company. But now they have a much better business process because of your software. Well, I'm glad we're 40 minutes in. I said something. <laughs> well, what we'll do is we'll edit that to be the opening <laughs> sentence, and then we'll, the m- opening, middle, and the end. Yes, and then we'll uh, and then we'll talk about decacorns, um, and, we'll, and then we'll re- repeat it again. Um, so uh, that's that seems like a, a, a completely untapped trend, probably in our our industry. Do you would you agree with that? Yeah. No, I think you said it better than I would. If I, I but I do think that. Um, Part of what we're seeing now is that um, the the uh, the spend is no longer from just CIOs. I think uh, the role of what is traditional CIO and a traditional CMO, um, and you know now there's chief security officers. Um, these people have tremendous clout and influence, but a lot of times um, the 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 spend is is no longer all within their budget. So right. I think the classical ways of, um, you know, sort of the, um, you know, sort of the analyst community going from a bottoms up to go and pull all these, you know, CIOs and trying to figure out what the overall budget is, that may or may not be accurate anymore. We're just seeing, um, yeah, we're seeing totally different behavior from a lot of people. Well, this is really interesting, actually, um, because, yeah, I mean, we we basically always, and and when we are... um, we're no exception. We always cite the Gartner sort of there's three hundred right. billion dollars of IT spend every year in software, and exactly. uh, and where things are going, that that that's like uh, that that's you know a fraction of actually what is going to be spent on technology to solve you know basically business problems. Right. Right. Wow. And, and Do you, you want to firm with me? Yeah. Right. Here you go. Well, and I think this is why if you look at all the um, Valley VC firms or some of the you know sort of the, the uh, the the places that do a lot of investing in database businesses, um, there is there is a, a huge amount of all, our own data aggregation trying to understand um, not only usage and engagement patterns, but also 
potential spend patterns, and um, and that's that's clearly part of it. And um, and and my my sense is that you know that not only are the dollars not necessarily captured right, there's obviously right. you know it's hard it's really hard to es- estimate what small businesses are spending. And, right. Um, um, and then we haven't even talked about international yet. So um, obviously, you know, I, I was asked the other day. <laughs> sort of being the China expert, you know, <laughs> do I know do I know a, a a real sort of enterprise SaaS company in China? And the answer is, I, I really can't think of one yet. And right. um, um, so I think there's not a SaaS revolution that's taken off in the same way um, there yet. And so I, I think the opportunities are still quite large. Um, yeah, because this uh, is just all a U.S. specific disruption happening for the most part. I mean, certainly parts of Europe um, are experiencing it. Yeah, but even Europe is quite far behind. Um, uh, part of it is, you know, they, they, the cloud infrastructure uh, that um, we have kind of counted on and learned to just to be sort of automatic here is still being developed in other parts of the world. But I think as that infrastructure matures and there's a lot of effort being developed, uh, being put into developing those, um, I think the businesses on the SaaS side will come. In, in China, um, given an economy that is so focused on manufacturing, and um, and production and um, and and international commerce essentially. Why is why is enterprise software so um, so sort of missing from that conversation and that um, and and that opportunity? I've I've always found that to be kind of very strange. As we'll meet with we'll meet with CEOs of uh, of, of amazing um, uh, you know Chinese businesses and and they don't really they don't really necessarily care what software their company's running on. What 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 is that? Uh, where does that come from? I, I, you know what, that, that is a great question, and we've asked ourselves that question a lot. Um, part of it, I think, is uh, you know the the um, uh, the companies themselves. You know, they, they either are very large companies and have been large for a long time, um, or they are fast-growing huh. companies like Alibaba or Tencent or Baidu, and um, and 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 you know, I don't think they are are ready-made. Um, companies like Box or you know even Workday or anything like that, you can go to to kind of get a off you know sort of quote unquote off the shelf service and um, and and I I don't I don't know exactly why that would be. I think part of it is they don't there's not a really robust cloud infrastructure yet. Yeah. I mean you know Ali Ali Yuin is a emerging but still sort of um, a nascent. Um, I mean, let's just remember, Aaron, I think a lot of the debate in the U.S. Um, over the last six years is, you know, uh, do I trust do I trust the public cloud? Do I trust a you know, hybrid cloud? Do I trust a private cloud? And do I trust cloud at all? And, um, um, and so I think until that debate has um, played its way through um, the sort of the Chinese market, um, part of it, that might be part of the the reason, but I, I can't give you a good reason. Knowing what we know now here, uh, you would expect a lot bigger, op- bigger things happening over there. Can Can Silicon Valley make you responsible for solving this? <laughs> well, I mean, look, I, if I knew how to solve it, I'd be doing it. I wouldn't be talking about it. But, um, <laughs> but it is it is a vast opportunity, and I do think it's an opportunity for a lot of um, companies that are here. And and you know, people are trying to take advantage of it there, but it's not easy, right? Going to China as an as a U.S. company is, is always full of. Um, full of challenges. But I, I think I think you'll see more and more companies go there to try to take advantage of this theme, um, try to make their make their products more 
consumer will buy the Chinese audience. And is that a, do you see that as a, is that a pricing issue? Is that a, um, a, a government, you know, partnership, uh, data residency and localization issue? Is that a people on the ground having joint venture issue? What is the, what will the catalyst be for SaaS companies to be successful in China? I think I think part of it is all of the above, depending on again what sector you're in. I yeah. mean, I think that um, you know productivity tools tend to be um, uh, you know have to worry about where the data lives and what the what the data security regime is around those. Um, I think uh, financials and sort of core enterprise IT may have some you know kind of geopolitical nationalism issues there, um, and uh, you always have to worry about your partner and how to go to market there. Um, but uh, but I, I don't think any of those are not none of those are, are are things you can't solve. It just takes time and commitment. And a lot of times, you know, management teams here have um, you know have easier uh, paths right. to or, or more lower hanging things fruit. To do. Right, lower hanging fruit, better ways. Yeah, definitely yeah, but, lower but hanging fruit. I, I know the thing that frustrates me though is like when we talk about our international expansion strategy, like we basically leave China out of the conversation because of that that like the the feeling that it's going to be so daunting when it, it feels like, like how the hell are we, we're going to go miss essentially the biggest economy on the planet. Um, why would we, why would we not start to focus on that? And, um, and you know, we're, we're starting to do the very basics, but it feels like, like, like it seems like right now would be the time to strike. Yeah, no. And I think, um, I think it just takes sort of time, dedication and, 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 and it's probably some good advice. Right. Okay. So then, what is the maybe one or two myths of China that you would correct right now around entering that market as a software company? Well, I, I think I think uh, you definitely have to. Con- you know, one the first myth everybody talks about is the IP, uh-huh. um, and that if you know your your IP and your SaaS, and they tell you you have to have your code on the servers there, then are we you know are we just giving our stuff away? And um, I think you have to be. Um, smart you probably can have ways of having your code out there that's not um, easily reverse engineered or stealable but I think you could certainly um, run the product there that's 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 fine and and um, uh, the second myth is I think that you know a lot of people can think they can just go to market like every other market you know whether it's Japan or a lot of people compare it to Japan and Korea and I think China is just totally different I think a lot of times you need a local partner that's got skin in the game that's willing to go to bat for you, um, uh, both in the positive sense of going to market and trying to grow the business, but also if you know anything negative ever happens, there's somebody to help you there to, to kind of problem solve. And um, uh, and the dynamics in the market is just very it's very interesting depending mm. on you know. Uh, Beijing is very different from Shanghai. It's very different from mm. Shenzhen. So you just have to kind of deal with the peculiarities in each market, and each one of these places are big enough to be a market. So they they tend to have their own kind of tendencies and characteristics. Interesting. Should we think of you as basically the ambassador to China? <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay. Believe me, I I don't okay. I don't you know personally I don't invest there. I don't have any portfolio okay. companies that are there. I don't um, have a lot of. Uh, uh, I'm not there enough, and I, I'm a firm believer that you know, in order to invest in things, you have to be close by and you have to right. be able to give advice. Fine, so, you can at least make introductions to Jack Ma, though. That, yes, that is true. There you okay. go. Okay, there you good. go. That I can do. Okay, um, maybe last question, and, and who yep. knows if this will even be relevant by the time that this podcast runs? But um, what what I want to I want to circle back to the consolidation thing. 
what what would you do if you were Salesforce right now? What I mean, you were essentially in that almost uh, same situation. I mean, there is there could have been micro who, maybe there's going to be micro force. What what would you what would you be thinking right now if you're? Uh, Mark I don't Benioff? know. <laughs> I think the only person that kind of knows is Mark. Yeah. I, I, I my guess is um, obviously he's had interest and obviously he does you know he he, he seems like he is uh running a process that that uh, uh but look i mean it's not a surprise i mean he's built a great company right. and uh and the, he's sort of the defined the cloud in the SaaS um um you know sort of the, the revolution and if you look at a lot of the companies out there that are purported to be potential suitors they don't have what he has, so right. it makes a lot of sense. Especially, he's built a business that's um, um, that's a real business, you know, it's profitable and it's uh, growing. And and um, uh, you know, but but I, I don't I don't know I, I don't know I haven't talked to Mark and I have no idea what they're thinking. So it sounds like he hasn't called you to ask for advice on this one. Uh, I, I I definitely he would not call me and ask for advice. I'm a consumer internet guy. <laughs> back to the back to the branding. <laughs> What um, okay so uh, given that uh, you're not uh, you're 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 trying to no longer be just the consumer internet guy who, like how do people get in touch with um, cl- uh, Omni Cloud uh, Ventures what what is the process for that uh, we're pretty we're pretty accessible on the web okay. uh, uh, www.omnicloudventuresalloneword.com um, or you, you know, we, we're, we're, it seems like, seems like everybody out there has got my email, which is Jerry at, <laughs> <laughs> Jerry at amicalaventures.com. And, um, and we, we, you know, we like to think of ourselves as, um, a place where if you're very early, um, stage and you, and you have data in your genes or business plans or whatever, we would love to help entrepreneurs build data driven businesses. And, and that's kind of what we're um, building here, and it's like I said, it's been it's been more fun than I deserve. That's awesome. And one quick question: Why is it that you don't really tweet? That's a really good question. <laughs> um, I I am. Um, You're like the only venture capitalist that uh, I know. I know. I know. I yeah. don't. I don't. I I I have. Ah, decided... I tricked you. You just said I, you I, you just affirmatively responded when I called you a venture capitalist. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay, I am. Um, um, I am. Uh, uh, probably the only investor in the Valley that prefer not to tweet. I, yes. feel, <laughs> I, li- I would like other people to tweet for me. How's ah, that? Okay, I'll start <laughs> tweeting for you then more frequently. Actually, we do have a, you know, I, I do have a Twitter handle, which is, we do have it as Ami Cloud Ventures, and those are the ones I, I do tweet. But, you know, I, I try to keep my um, volume low. I'm not quite like you, Aaron. Okay. Well, that I think that may have been a backhanded compliment, but um, I will <laughs> well, you take called it. Well, you called me a VC, <laughs> so I'm coming back at you. <laughs> Uh, awesome. Okay, uh, Jerry Yang, thank you so much for uh, for taking the time. Um, and uh, um, if you are ever on Twitter, you will see us uh, release this podcast. So thank you. I am a follower of yours, <laughs> so I look for it. Thank you, Eric. Okay, take care. All right, take care. Bye. Bye.